From Riverside Health System, this is the Healthy You Podcast, where we talk about a range of health-related topics focused on improving your physical and mental health. We chat with our providers, team members, patients, and caregivers to learn more about how to maintain a healthy lifestyle and improve overall physical and mental health. So let's dive into learn more about becoming a healthier you. Alrighty, I am really excited today to have with me uh, on the Healthy You is John LaRue. He is the Director of Sports, Physical Therapy, and Performance at Riverside. John, what does that mean? Yeah, so my role is uh, is a newer role at Riverside. I came on about a year and a half ago, and um, one of my biggest jobs is really being a liaison between our team in the medical group and our physicians in orthopedics and sports medicine, as well as our team in lifelong health. So that's okay. a lot of our physical therapists, our athletic trainers. So sort of bridging the gaps between the divisions and um, working on a lot of initiatives and outreach with a lot of our uh, high schools that we work with. So um, that's my primary role as okay. well as just overseeing sports physical therapy sports. and sports medicine in general. Okay. Wow. That's a big job. <laughs> that is a big job. Do our athletic trainers roll up in there somewhere or no? Are they in a different section? So we have a, a couple different types of athletic trainers. We have uh, hybrid athletic trainers that work in our clinics with our physicians okay. um, in the office, as well as spending time at the school sort of in a hybrid role. Right. Um, and then one of our, our newer things is that we're working with a lot of high schools and having new partnerships with um, Newport News Public Schools, York County Public Schools, and um, we employ those athletic trainers on a full-time basis to be at the schools. So those ones that fall, that are not in the clinic at all, right. fall up under lifelong health and, and sports physical therapy, and um, we work with them directly. Okay, great. I, I read something recently that we did something in the high schools, put AEDs. That's right. Tell, tell me a little bit about that and what was the impetus for um, that that great gift um, yeah. and, and donation uh, by Riverside. Yeah, so, I mean, I think certainly in, in, in the media with um, the incident with DeMar Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills and this past year, I think a lot of us that work in sports medicine understand the risks that happen um, that, that are really um, tragic in a lot of cases. And, of course, being on an NFL field is um, a very lucky place to be with an right. incident that happens like that. So I think for us, because we're really expanding into a lot more high schools in the last year and a half, that we're, we didn't want to be in a situation where we couldn't say that we're providing the best care possible and that, um, you know, God forbid something ever happened, that we're not prepared. So right. um, it was an initiative with our, our cardiopulmonary team and, and Dr. Dacey and, and what's called the Heart Safe Initiative. And it's something that we, we invested in and, and we've purchased uh, 22 AEDs. Um, that are going to be at every single sports medicine event that Riverside covers. Um, so if Riverside's there at, at the high school or sometimes we cover tournaments on the side as well, we will have an AED present for every event. And that's really important to us that because is. I think it's that peace of mind more than anything. And so um, we're really excited to have um, uh, that gift. Um, and uh, I think as we expand further and further, um, emergency management and having those those tools that we have are right. going to be just really critical for us. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you came into this career path. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was not interested in healthcare at all. <laughs> I was interested in business and accounting and <laughs> right. finance. And, um, and, and while I was maybe okay at it and good at it, it, it wasn't a passion of mine. And, um, when I was in high school, my senior year, I volunteered with the Muscular Dystrophy Association, um, the MDA, and I, and I worked their summer camp, staying in the cabins with the kids. Right. And um, I think having that close experience one-on-one -on -one with a lot of them, summer after summer, raising money for them, that I just felt that 
I wanted to do something to help people. And growing up an athlete myself, I, I naturally, you know, as I went through PT school, drifted towards working with um, athletes and, and high-level athletes. And um, luckily, after I did my residency and my fellowship, I, I, I worked um, uh, with the Los Angeles Angels in, okay. in, in baseball and um, eventually uh, worked with uh, in, in a private facility with professional athletes wow. and before coming to Riverside. And it was okay. something that um, it, I think growing up as an athlete and having a dream of being an athlete right. and, and being on the field, of course, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice consolation to, to work with a lot of high-level athletes. And now at Riverside, we, you know, we have the privilege of working with a lot of really great high school athletes and college athletes Absolutely. and, um, you know, being able to provide the best care kind of possible for them and uh, focusing a lot on, on quality and best practice. And um, that's something we're really proud of. But that's sort of the, the transition from business to healthcare, to healthcare. And, and eventually kind of settling in sports medicine and orthopedics. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your leadership and your commitment. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite team? In, in uh, both both professional uh, well, uh, college. Yeah, I mean, grow, I mean, probably the closest growing up in, in upstate New York. I grew up born and raised in Syracuse, so okay. um, uh, Syracuse college sports. I, I I did my residency at Duke, which oh, was sort okay. of a, a rival in basketball with Syracuse. <laughs> yes, so it was yes. sort of a, an awkward time. But I, uh, uh, yeah, Syracuse sports is sort of the, the one that I'm really kind of near okay. and dear. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Um, what exactly is early sports specialization? Yeah, so early sports specialization is, I think, you know, the definition of it is really this intense training and practice at uh, one particular sport over, um, you know, some research and, and, you know, when you read through it, we'll say, you know, between eight or nine months out of the year, they're focusing on a singular sport and okay. uh, whether that be training or practicing in that sport or actually competing okay. um, in a game, I mean, that's in that given sport. Um, is early sports specialization and okay. um, definitely a phenomenon that we're seeing more and more and more okay. over the last decade or so. Okay, okay. thank you. Um, do you have any concerns around early sports specialization? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, over the last five to 10 years, we're seeing it more and more where I feel like I'm getting younger and younger clinic uh, mm. athletes in my clinic. Yes. And I still treat as a clinician and work with a lot of uh, high school athletes and you know, seeing 12, 13, 14-year-olds with elbow injuries um, from yes. baseball or, or, or young track athlete, you know, in, in high school that are freshmen in high school with really uh, acute Achilles injuries. That mm. um, And it's just one of those things that we're, we're seeing more and more. And I think um, one of the problems that I, that I have with, with it is that um, when you're doing the same activity for eight, nine, ten months, yeah. or the whole year without exactly, yeah. you're having that that overuse that takes place, and obviously, um, there's that balance between I want to do it enough to be good at it, right? Um, but I want to be able to be healthy and available as well. And I think one of the issues we see a lot is this this idea of deliberate practice versus deliberate, you know, game, which is basically right. where we're having somebody, you know, when you're deliberately practicing, you're trying to be good at a skill. When you're, right. deliber when you're deliberately playing or, or playing in a game, it's hopefully because you love it. And I Absolutely. think sometimes we, we find that these athletes just get exhausted over time. And so outside of the physical issue, there, there's definitely probably a psychological piece yes. as well that yes. often as providers in the front line, we're often encountering that almost as much as the physical issues, right. especially when an athlete you know, plays a sport 12 months out of the year and now they're hurt, you know, that's, that's their identity Absolutely. of who they are as people. So, Absolutely. um, a big concern that I have certainly. Yes. Yes. As a, a mom of a son who played football for, since he was like 
seven flag and, yeah. and then migrated. Um, it, to your point, I think a lot of, he put a lot of pressure on himself even outside of his normal training. And it's very taxing. Um, and he had some injuries very early. And then I'm a former athlete. And what I've found is now that I'm getting older, right. I'm feeling the impact of those early years of track and cross country yeah. uh, on my knees and my back. Yeah, and I think, and certainly with the the younger population, as you mentioned, you know, one of the issues we see a lot are these injuries called apophysitis injuries, and they're basically injuries that take place at the growth plates. Okay. Um, Obviously, when when kids are younger, growth plates are open, and obviously, as we physically and skeletally mature, they close. And the issue is that when they're open, far more... Um, damage and overuse is far it's far more sensitive to that right and right. Um, you know Oshkosh slaughter is a sort of a, a, a anterior knee right. pain that's that's a form of apophysitis a lot of Achilles discomfort or okay. little league elbow little league shoulder these these kind of phrases that we hear right. are all sort of the same thing where it's just these tendons are just overusing overusing and they're chipping away at that oh. that bone that they're attached right. to and um, we just see these in so many different athletes who you know they never drop the ball. They're always playing all year okay. round. Okay, great, great. What is multi-sport uh, participation? I, I know what it sounds like, or sports diversification, um, and why is that important um, as it relates to to our youth and, yeah. and development? Yeah, I think I think there's that once again. There's this balance between skill acquisition. So when you're participating in a sport, especially a sport like gymnastics or track or swimming or golf where you're, right. you're, you're, you're by yourself out there, you're working on a, on a given skill. Um, that's great. And I think there's, but there's a lot of sports that are, are team based and, um, that by playing multiple sports, you're actually probably complementing maybe mm. your primary sport a whole lot better. It's, it's right. the, it's the, the, you know, the, the basketball player that does cross country in the spring, indoor, outdoor, track. right. You're doing you're, you're it's An different skill set. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you're, right. it's, it's different skill sets that you're doing. And, right. um, when you start to, I think, become more of an athlete than a, a basketball player or a football player, and you become someone that's more well-rounded in terms of strength and conditioning and not doing the exact same body movement right. 12 months out of the year, you're probably going to be, become a better athlete right. for it. Right. Um, and while doing that, also you know, not maybe have as much injury. And, and we see this at the high school to college level that a lot of college coaches now are only are wanting to only recruit athletes that are multi-sport athletes right. because they see what happens to these athletes once they get to college and they've been playing this one sport since they were 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and their body starts the to break tear, down, right? you know, yes. so it's, it's, it's something that, um, I think by playing multiple sports, you're, you're probably not only protecting yourself, but you're probably becoming a better athlete, right. um, for it as well. That makes total sense. Yeah. As a parent, what are some of the things, uh, they should consider, um, as it relates to their youth entering sports, um, and how to encourage that sports diversification? I know my son was all about football. He did do other activities, indoor, outdoor track. He didn't, wasn't a real basketball fan, um, but he, he was all about football and wanted to really do that off-season, like through some of the AE, AAU and other type camps. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think yeah, a couple of things there. I think in terms of introducing an athlete to sport, I think we find that parents are often the ones that are maybe introducing or initiating 
um, their child to a sport, a given sport, right. whether the child says they want to play it or the parent thinks it's a good idea for them to try it. Right. However, we often find that coaches are the ones that are really taking them from participating to that intensive training mm. to get them. And sometimes it's athlete-led, as you mentioned, right. kind of with your son. Maybe they're, they're, they're intrinsically motivated to be the best that they can be. But we find that coaches play a major role in, in identifying someone that's talented and intense training to get to them, you know, have them be the best that they can be. And I think right. having a little bit more monitoring from the parents mm -hmm. to check in with them, ask the athlete how they're doing, I think, right. you know, psychologically, like we mentioned before, just that burnout exhaustion um, from doing the same thing all the time and having that pressure to succeed. And I think right. the other piece you mentioned with AAU and travel that were we're seeing so much of this this stuff um, outside of maybe the normal season right. of play, where you're having these travel teams of six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, yes. and that scares me because we're we're once again, I think we cross. There's a fine line between, you know, playing and having fun and exercising right. and doing something all year round at six, seven, and eight years old um, when they should probably prioritize on, you know. Um, being a student, Absolutely. having fun, you know, playing on the playground. Doing stuff that youth do at those yeah, ages. Yeah, and I think yes. um, we've we've begun to lower that age more and more and more where um, people and parents are trying to, you know, get their kids into sports right. year-round. And um, I think explaining to parents that, you know, the, the likelihood of that child attaining a scholarship or, or going professional right. is just so low. And I think our expectation should always be tempered where – we want them to have fun and succeed and have the, the benefits of, of sports because there's so many of Absolutely. them from a, from a team building and you know social skills and I think that's the, that the that's the importance of sports. I think it's it's not to attain this certain goal, but rather the other life skills you gain. Exactly, Absolutely. and I think sometimes and most parents probably have that, but there's right. some that they really want their child to succeed beyond maybe some realistic expectations, and right. sometimes that leads to this consistent year-round playing to achieve that absolutely, in their mind. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Is there a certain age that is recommended or advised for contact sports? Um, I know when my son was playing uh, football as a youth, some would say nine, ten, you know, there, there were all kind of ages thrown out there around when to transition from flag to actual contact. Yeah, I, I don't think there's necessarily a threshold in particular, but I think when – the thing that it, it pertains to football and contact sports is that, um, yes, there's some wear and tear by having more and more of that. However, I often find, too, that athletes that maybe start football later in life, maybe at 15 or 14, um, maybe lack some of the fundamental uh, skills yeah. of, of tackling and whatnot, right. and it actually ends up maybe injuring them because right. they don't have that skill set. Right. Um, they didn't develop it at a young age. so. I'm comfortable with younger athletes participating. I think there's just a moderation of participating. And, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it's a good rule of thumb, I think it's just an easy one to remember that, um, you know, children should be participating in a given sport, whether it's games or practice or, or just on their own independently, uh, about one hour per age that they are okay, or less. I okay. think, you know, if you're a 10-year-old, I think 10 hours a week of, of – Sport okay. participation is sort of a sort of a good place to start, and I think okay. that sometimes you think about they have practice on Monday nights and Thursday right. nights and games on Saturday, and all of a sudden you do that year after year after year. Um, it's it's going to lead maybe down a little right. bit, and um, right. I think just something to keep in mind. Okay, okay, great information. 
if uh, for our listeners that are um, joining us today, how do they get in contact with your services? Um, if 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 they you know may have a youth or even an adult that's dealing with some potential injuries and realize they need some long-term support. Um, yeah, so um, a couple different places. I'm, I'm uh, sports physical therapy, um, where we have board-certified sports physical therapy specialists, folks that um, that's pro- only thing they do all day, every day. Uh, we're located in, in Hampton, Newport okay. News, and Williamsburg okay. on the peninsula. Okay. And um, you know, finding more information at riversideonline.com backslash sports PT, all one word. Okay, uh, we'll have um, videos and photos of our facilities and. Of course, physical therapy is one of those things, especially here in the state of Virginia, where uh, we have what's called direct access, where um, somebody can make an appointment for physical therapy without necessarily needing a physician referral to do so. Um, That's up to 60 days now in the state of Virginia. That's good. It saves um, that extra step. It allows them to maybe, you know, if if it takes a little bit to get in the physician office, and certainly something that we always, you know, if something we're we're fearful of something maybe being injured significantly, please right. we want to seek that out with a physician. Absolutely. Um, but sometimes we see these overuse injuries that can be nipped pretty quickly and right. just let's shut down the athlete. Let's work on some strength and range of motion and, and a return to throwing program or something along right. those lines. Right. That's what a sports physical therapist can do, and I think um, super valuable to have that education and somebody a, a third party, if you will, come in and say. Let's change the way we're doing things for the, for the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. Anything that you think would be instrumental, beneficial for our viewers today as it relates to uh, sports, physical therapy, and performance? Yeah, I think especially this time of the year in, in, the, in the summertime as is, is the weather is getting nicer, I think mm-hmm. a lot more folks are um, going outside and exercising and, and their kids are outside exercising, I think. Um, with early sports specialization, one of those things where I think checking in with your checking in with your child, checking That's in with great. the athlete, and being able to um, see how they're doing. Are they still enjoying playing sports? Right. Do they want to try something else? And I think sometimes the athletes some feel pressured at times to maybe, well, I, I, I kind of I'm good at this, and or right. we want to expose them to different things. And I think um, enjoying being a kid is really important. And um, I think that's probably the most valuable thing that a parent can can learn. Yes, good, good. I, I have to ask you this. I remember when he was playing sports, they always kept mustard on the field Yeah. Um, if they had any cramps yeah. or anything like that. And I know it's important that they stay hydrated, especially sure. recently. It's so hot and humid mm-hmm. um, and, and keeping your electrolytes in balance. Is that true that the mustard helps with <laughs> yes. With yeah. the, uh, cramps. Yes. It's it's um, some of the high schools that I've spent time at where maybe they don't have the resources, the funds to have, you know, big Gatorade, yes. you know, machines or whatnot or, right. you know, you know stuff with their athletes. I'll, I'll, if I'm covering that event, I'll go to the concession stand, grab a packet of the mustard okay. and just okay. in case, just in case a, a kid cramps up, we'll will make them, you know, take a couple packets to the mouth, and it's something that it's just so salty right. um, that helps them retain water a little bit better. We always have them educate them to hydrate right. beforehand, right? But sometimes kids are not the best at doing no, that, or if where, they're overly exerting them, of course, playing, yeah. right? And it's uh, the mustard won't, you know, end it completely, <laughs> but I think it will take a little bit of that edge off and hopefully allow them to just participate. So okay. yes, okay. Uh, yes, that is a, not a myth. 